Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, Wesley snipes for Villa's first win back in the Premier League as Harvey Barnes' Thunderbolt stops the Blades' unbeaten trilogy. Speaking of sagas, United's penalty palaver gets an unwanted sequel that no one wants to cash in on. And in the FFA Cup, Daniel McBreen's worldie could mark a fairy tale finish to a storied career. Uh, hello, I'm Colby. I'm joined today uh, by Tommy rocking his uh, new West Ham away kit with LR on the back. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Always have a, an extra little bit of spring in my step after a West Ham win, so feeling good today. And I'm also joined by uh, Jesse Farmer in the uh, uh, Liverpool assistant uh, tracksuit top. Would you call that, mate? That's right. I'm just ready to gag and press the shit out of this pod. <laughs> uh, good, good, boys. A uh, big show today. Um, why don't we get stuck into it with our moments of the week? Well, I, I, unfortunately, I feel like this might disappoint you a little bit, but... Um, would be uh, first time. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Um, my moment of the week this week isn't even football related. This is a little bit of a throwback. Do you remember when uh, Andy used to sometimes do some like uh, sales related uh, type? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So he loves sales content. A so little bit, not quite sales related, but look, it, it is a great, it was just a moment of the week for me just in general life this week. So this week um, received an email midweek saying that I um, needed to send someone my bank details because I had... Uh, three grand sitting in a trust account um, and they just needed me to yeah send them through my bank details and they would send through the cash. Very, very suspicious of this. It was a Chinese surname, didn't recognise the company, it was different to, uh, to, to who uh, I previously had uh, my, um, what's it called, my um, property managed by at the time, my, who was my landlord. Anyway, gave the, gave the company a call and um, basically said, oh, look, this sounds really suspicious. And the person who'd emailed me answered the phone and I thought, checks out, went to their website, checks out as well. Nervously sent through my uh, my bank account details uh, and 24 hours later I had three and a half grand sitting what? in my account. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was three and a half grand richer uh, this week. So, it, Do you know where the money came from? Look, they, they so this is a property that I lived in close to three, four years ago, right? And the, the, the property manager, um, they merged with another company and they said that when they were closing out all of the accounts, uh, all of this, basically they said that there was just this unclaimed rent that I'd overpaid somehow. And look, I mean, like I'm, I'm not that rich that like I just lose track of three and a half grand, right? So look, it does feel a little bit like I drew a, a trans... A trans? chance card uh midweek from monopoly of you know bank error in your favor but isn't that ten dollars though but that's ten dollars yeah not three and a half about the rest but look yeah look i'm I'm not gonna turn it down if if they're saying i've got three and a half grand and they're gonna give it to me fair play to them so yeah my member of the week sounds like you've got blood on your hands Uh, Jesse, are you going to top that? Uh, I don't know if I can, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you must be feeling like the Fresh Prince of Alia. Tommy? Um, no, I have to say, um, yeah, just from a football moment of the week, uh, Tommy. Um, <laughs> this is a football podcast, isn't it? Not, <laughs> oh, not, a, not, a, not a finance. Not a um, finance uh, I mean, for me, as a lover of a, a good half volume, you know, I can't really go past the old uh, 
as you aptly called it before, Cole, yeah, a barnstormer by Harvey Barnes. Oh, my boy, my boy. Um, cracker, absolute cracker of a goal. Um, and a winner too, which makes it even better. Yeah, so um, it, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of look at Sheffield United in that situation. I think, well, I mean, if you're going to lose by a goal, it's not much you can do about that. The keeper was rooted to the spot. So, um, yeah, great goal. And great to see somebody taking on a shot, just instinct rather than just you know, all the structure, go back to the wings, visit back in. I mean, it's good to see someone just, you know, leather it. We'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but Barnes hasn't been starting either, so well, we'll come back to it later. The barn door's wide open now, boys. Oh, it is. Uh, my moment of the week this week was uh, Union Berlin um, playing their first game uh, in their history in the Bundesliga. Um, and, you know, as, as the, the game was about to kick off, you had the camera panning around and you had all the fans um, getting quite emotional. And a lot of them had pictures and tifos and things of um, other lifelong fans who actually didn't live to see it. And um, it's sort of what football's all about. Um, you so know, good bit of inside knowledge on that, uh, yeah, go on. Colby. So when I lived in Berlin, um, the Hertha was obviously the, the rich club that was in the, 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 Bund the Bundesliga. And then you had um, Union, which was in the second division, I think. And uh, that they, and obviously, like, my mates went to the game. I couldn't go for some reason, but they went to the game and they said it was just – the atmosphere was just absolutely unbelievable. And the, the Union fans, like, detest Hertha Berlin and it's just this huge rivalry, but they couldn't really live it out um, because they were in different divisions. So now that they're in the same division, it should be a pretty spicy uh, fixture on the Bundesliga calendar. Spicy it, derby. Is there an Australian connection with Union or or testing who? testing my knowledge? Obviously, we've got uh, good old Matt Leckie who plays for Hertha, but um, that might have been who I was thinking. Yeah, all right. Uh, more more on that uh, later this season, though. But uh, what about own goals, boys? Uh, Jesse, throw back to you. Well, I'm going to stay with the Sheffield uh, United game and say I feel like Vardy um, probably is my own goal of the week at this point because. Um, there was a bit of goading going on, which, uh, as you, goading, least, like, I mean, it's good, but not that good. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he scored the goal, he, um, he just obviously, you know, rubbed it in a bit with the fans and we know that Vardy loves to do that, but the oh, fact you that he's like this, you love to see that. Yeah. The fact that he's from that area though, from what I understand, the local lad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure how I feel about that because I feel like, you know, that's, you know, your own doorstep, so to speak. And, um, I mean, I love I love a bit of banter and a bit of um, bit of arrogance when you score a goal against a club that you sort of have a bit of you know fire for. But if it's a, an area that you grew up in, I'm not so sure about that. Well, the fire may actually come from the fact that he was a, a Wednesday junior. Well, there you go. So he there is no love lost uh, between those. Well, two then that makes complete sense, and I remove my own. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, to be fair, I didn't actually know that. I, I would never have known that. So, uh, known and he was only there for a season. And then he went, uh, played for four years as a as a junior with Stocksbridge Park Steels, which I have no idea where they're from, but I'm going to assume they're from Sheffield. You wouldn't get these kind of shenanigans if Damo was in the pod today. Yeah, so. that's right. He'd have a thing or two to say, I'm sure. Um, He'd Tommy, be frothing at the mouth about this, wouldn't he? He'd be yeah, well, right up there with you. Damo will be back on the pod soon enough, boys. <laughs> uh, own goal for you, Tommy. Mate, uh, bring back a little bit of kit chat this week in my own goal. Uh, it's Is it the kit you're wearing now? Oh, no, because uh, I think everyone uh, really rates the West Ham home, uh, away kit. Thank you very much. Um, but it is Umbro related, though. So um, this week, Umbro announced Everton's third kit. Now, I don't actually have anything wrong with the kit itself, um, but there's a few issues here with this kit. First of all, um, uh, it was announced three weeks after it was actually required where um, 
you'll remember Everton had to wear last season's, I think, away strip for when they played against Palace. So, one, it's late after it was probably the only time we'll actually be needed this season. Two, it was a, it's a dark kit. I think it's, it's black or really, really dark navy, uh, not dissimilar to their home kit. And thirdly, it's a dark kit that was unveiled in a really dimly lit photo shoot. So you couldn't actually see what colour it was. It was, wasn't really obvious whether it was blue or purple or what. So, yeah, look, a, a couple of fails there which made um, that one my own goal this week. Fifty Shades of Blue. Yeah. Uh, my, well, my uh, own goal, boys, has got a bit of a colour reference as well. It's uh, Dribble Cisse's new, uh, new hairdo. Uh, I don't know if you boys have seen it, but I can I can get a picture up for you now. He's uh has gone for a, a polka dots. Uh, oh, I don't know what you'd call that. Well, we've got an ice cream in New Zealand called Goody Goody Gumdrops, and that <laughs> that comes to mind. <laughs> it's like a bubble gum ice cream, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a bumby, bubble gum ladybird, sort or, of or maybe even scan? like a rock climbing wall. You know. Oh, yep, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yep. Uh, so th- he's he's thirty eight now, but uh, that's uh, probably a haircut that you might have got maybe 20 years ago as a, as a footballer in today's well, game. just but in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. So uh, still playing um, for a club you might have heard of called AC Vincenza 1902. Sure. Yeah. I think I remember them. I think I remember them like in a, in, in a Serie A uh, championship manager save I had a couple of years ago, but never never played as them. Don't know anything about the club. But yeah. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, let's move on, boys. Premier League match day three. for the ball. Yeah, he's getting it for Rashford. Pogba is nowhere near it here. Always a big call given what happened on Monday night. Well, after all the talk this week, Marcus Rashford misses. More penalty drama for Manchester United. All right, after a week where we couldn't stop hearing about United's penalty taker dramas uh, with fans, pundit and football Twitter roasting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for not having... Rashford on penalties uh, after Pogba's poor recent record. Uh, United got a chance to make amends um, with players falling over themselves to make sure that Rashford had a chance to uh, set the record straight uh, as United hosted Palace. Um, But the drama continued as uh, his penalty was bent just a bit too much and hit the post. Um, Boys, uh, is is all this drama in the heads of the United players now? A lot of drama in the theatre of dreams. And um, all I can say, guys, is... um, he was a whisker away from scoring that, so it's you, you somehow it managed to hit the post and go across the goal and then go out for a goal kick. Doesn't happen often. How, how Doesn't that, happen often. Is that even physically possible? And it would have been a perfectly placed penalty. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So it just shows you it's a matter of uh, centimeters. Yeah. Do they need to get a third penalty taker, boys? Well, Martial, I think, might be injured, so he may not be an option this week. Get Harry Maguire on him. Why not? Just straight out the middle. A little bit off to the side. So uh, we should talk about the game itself uh, other than this one moment. United controlled the early moments of the first half but had nothing to show for it before Palace opened the scoring um, against the run of play through Andre Ayew. Jordan Ayew, sorry. Uh, wrong wrong Ayew. Um, uh, there were a couple, couple of penalty shouts uh, in this one before the penalty that Rashi ended up missing. Uh, United drew level finally uh, through a nice little effort from uh, Daniel James with a Nice little curling finish before uh, Fernand Holt uh, drilled it into the near post going through De Gea. Um, boys, are United uh, are United's big players uh, not stepping up in the in the big moments, do you think, with um, 
with some of these uh, some of these moments with Pogba, Rashford missing penalties, De Gea sort of uh, making mistakes. Is this is this an issue with their their big players who need to be carrying the team, or just uh, individual mistakes that you can move past? We were talk we were talking at the pub the other day about having a curry eleven, and um, I tell you what, that went straight through uh, De Gea, didn't it? <laughs> and, and I think you know it's a bit of a shame. Uh, he had a few of those errors last season, and and I mean. Sort of crept in, started to creep into his game now. I, I can't believe I, I, I was watching the the highlights package of that game this morning, and I just couldn't believe because I'd had a spoiler that the that United lost it, and I and when I saw that James goal in the 88th minute, I just thought, how the heck did they? How did it get away on them? And just the fact that it was in the 90th minute. I mean, Palace had this habit of just being so good away from home, and and you'd be gutted as a United fan because they were minutes away from a point and. Probably would have been a, a reflection of the game, wouldn't it? I've got a stat on that, Jesse. Um, uh, it's it's apparently the first time um, in the Premier League era that there's been a 90th minute winner against United at Old Trafford. So uh, yeah, we're going to start calling it Arnie time. My uh, prediction that Roy was going to get enough. sacked is is, uh, is 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 not aging well. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> it shows where United are at at the minute, though, doesn't it? Well, that's the thing. Last week uh, when they drew against Wolves, you had a lot of fans coming out, um, United fans on on social media, um, sort of saying, oh, look, you know, one all against Wolves away. This is a great result for us. We lost home and away against them last year. Um, and then they're sort of, you know, being upset by Palace. They've been beaten by Chelsea. Is this the wrong kind of mentality for a club like United? Massively. Um, I mean, after they beat Chelsea, everyone, like there were there were United fans out there saying, "Oh, we're going to win the league now." And look. well, there was a tweet actually. Uh, United's official Twitter um, before the game um, said, "Oh yeah, we're playing Palace." Oh yeah, shame it can't be Chelsea. <laughs> and uh, then Chelsea tweeted them after the game, being like, "How did that go for you?" <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. And well, m- maybe it also shows a little bit about where Chelsea's at too. I mean, they have kind of struggled this season as well, haven't they? Well, that's a uh, good timing, Tommy, because we might move on to them. Uh, that was the uh, opening game uh, of Friday night. Segue, anyway. yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, this was this was a really entertaining game, Norwich and Chelsea. Um, so, uh, five five goal thriller looks like it could have been a lot more. Um, both teams looking a little bit leaky in defence, I guess you'd say. Keeping uh, a clean sheet was lava in this one, wasn't that, it? Absolutely. <laughs> Chelsea led twice in the first half, but Norwich found a way back in uh, before Tammy Abraham um, found a winner and the first win uh, for Frank Lampard in the Premier League. Uh, boys, I want to just get your thoughts on Tammy Abraham. Um, got a start in this one after being benched uh, and had three shots and two goals, both really well taken. Um, has he put himself in the front runner to be Chelsea's uh, new goal-scoring number nine? I think so. I think he did really well. Like he he held the uh, the ball up well. His inner inner play at times was good. Um, he didn't always just occupy the central space either. Sometimes he sort of moved out a little bit wider, which enabled uh, Mason Mount or Pulisic to to come into some more central areas. So a little bit more mobility through the middle as well. So yeah, like he was kind of it was a it was a pretty complete game for him, really, wasn't it? I'd be interested to see what George uh, would have to say about it, but I, I think that the fact that they've got Batshuayi on the, uh, or you know, if he's, if he's fit on the bench and you have Abraham starting, say that's and Giroud as well, and Giroud. So it's like you've actually got three quite different players there. Um, Giroud, I don't know if Giroud would have scored those goals last night. I don't think he would have. And I think that, a lot of Arsenal fans or so Chelsea fans would probably agree. I mean, Lampard could end up doing a horses for courses thing where he's just like, well, depending on the fixture. 
I mean, he, he trust obviously he trusts them uh, all three of them, and he's given Abraham the nod for the, for now. But I mean, does Abraham suit every defense? I mean, I guess that'll be a question to see how he uh, strategically lines them up. And um, just moving to the other side of the pitch on Chelsea's defense, um, they they leaked two goals and they've they've um, let in a few um, this season already, averaging two plus goals a game at the moment. Are there problems at the back as simple as Rudiger coming in and Kante being fit, or have they got bigger things to worry about in this um, Frank Lampard era? Matt, I suspect you know the answer to this one. Uh, yeah, for me, the answer is no. I think, um, look, Kurzuma and uh, Christensen don't look particularly comfortable at the back, but I, I think the problems are actually a little bit further forward of them. They're not getting a hell of a lot of support um, and protection from uh, Kante, sorry, uh, Jorginho, Jorginho and Kovacic. Mm. They're both ball players and, look, they uh, were able to sort of protect um, the mid, uh, the defence uh, last year, basically just through holding the ball and keeping the ball moving and uh, maintaining possession. But but this year they're trying to, I guess, be a little bit more um, progressive and move the ball quicker and, and, and create more chances. So, um, I, yeah, I think they they need to, I guess, hold on to the ball a little bit more and sort of find a balance between what they're trying to do now and what they were doing last season, I think if uh, their defence is going to regain some of that solidity from last season. Z- Zuma looked pretty much as comfortable as Scott Morrison at the recent Pacific Islands <laughs> Leaders Forum. <laughs> and um, every time he had the ball, it, he looked pretty panicky, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think the back is actually a bit of a concern for them. And unlike the front where they've got this luxury to sort of rotate uh, horses for courses, I'm not so sure about the back. I don't know if he's quite set on that yet. I feel like there's another coal or mining-related pun there, but I just I can't find it. Sorry. Boys, let's have a word on Norwich now. They've um, played some pretty good football so far and um, Puki has got five goals in three appearances. Does the anyone want to... The Puki re- party continues, huh? That's right. <laughs> uh, boys, do you want to revise your Norwich predictions at all? Or I mean, you're not allowed to, but um, if you could, <laughs> would you? You know what? I can't even remember where I put Norwich. I'm pretty sure I didn't put them relegated. So, um, yeah, I'll have to go back and look at the tape for that. But um, I, uh, you said a, an interesting point earlier today, Tommy, and I'll, I'll hand it over to you in a second, but you were talking about the momentum of playing such good football in the uh, championship last year and, and how that has translated into their form early season. So you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've put uh, Norwich down as finishing fifth uh, in my uh, fifth? prediction. Sorry, 15th. Oh, 15th. Oh, jeez. Oh, Wowee. Relax. Um, and look, they I've been impressed with them just on how um, how good they've been. And I guess also how they're not just their, their confidence and ability to move the ball, um, but how that's translated into goals. Like they, they uh, scored against Liverpool and now they've continued to score goals against um, pretty decent teams. So, um, look, I think it's still early days. You're not sh- like they're yet to – this is probably their, their first bloody nose as, um, as someone else described it midweek. I can't remember who said that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond now to a couple of losses if they manage to – yeah, if they continue to score goals but con- continue to concede them as well. Well, I had Norwich getting relegated, so I definitely want to revise my predictions. Uh, Up Jesse, to 15th. Jesse, you've also got them uh, getting relegated. So oh, uh, gee I think uh, you and I, at the moment, at least, long season, but at the moment we've got egg on our face. Um, another another word on Norwich, boys. Um, it's good good to see Tim Krul having a good time in the Premier League again. I don't know about you, but um, 
he sort of won me over a little bit in that 2014 World Cup when Van Hal subbed him on in the shootout. <laughs> and um, I, he's, a, he's a player I like seeing. Um, just playing, not, not just as a shootout specialist? <laughs> That's right. And I'm happy to um, – I'm happy that, you know, when he, when he was at Brighton for that brief spell that Matty Ryan kept him on the bench. But, uh, no, it's good to see him uh, in the um, – up and about, making some good saves too. And um, and the, the, he has some responsibility as well in terms of playing out from the back as well. And he's, I think he's, um, look, he's doing better than some other keepers in the Premier League at the moment. Like Adrian did not look comfortable at all, I think, for, for Liverpool sort of playing out from the back. And I think Krul's done a pretty good job so far. Another fantastic segue from you, Tommy. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Liverpool Arsenal. Um, after a pretty nervy start, thanks to a poor clearance from Adrian in the first ten minutes, almost leading to a goal. Um, Liverpool came out a pretty convincing three-one winners against Arsenal. It could have been a lot more. Again, this is another game where I think we could have had a lot more goals. Um, are we still picking Liverpool to be challenging deep into the season, boys? Despite uh, a few defensive wobbles um, in Allison's absence, I think. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if it was a prediction or if it was just hope that um, hope for from a fantasy perspective that that Liverpool would um, score more goals uh, while they're conceding more goals, and they they have shown that they're still just as potent as they've previously been. So, yeah, while they might be may not be keeping clean sheets, they're still scoring plenty of goals. So I think um, if they can continue that form up until Allison comes back, then yeah, I think they're they're going to be pretty comfortable. And then, geez, any, anything can happen once you you get a little bit deeper into the season. It's a really interesting thing for me, like with that, um, with their style that, you know, last night, like Arsenal just gave them so much room for the fullbacks and said, here you go, just pass it wide. And we, you know, just peppered and peppered and peppered the, the box. And we ended up having to score from a corner. And I was a little bit concerned after about 40 minutes or 30 minutes where I was thinking, we're just not, you know, we're not really getting anywhere. Why aren't we going for a plan B? And they were just, nah, we're just going to keep crossing and crossing. And, as far Mane as is th- probably the best in the air out of the three of them, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, we're not and really. He's that not that great in the air. No, he, he had a header that um, sort of blazed away as well. So um, it's it's really your, your Van Dykes and your, your Matips that you mm. want um, on the end of those balls. So it's interesting that. Do, do you guys remember from like quite late in last season how I think Mane scored two headers in two weeks and everyone was saying he was an aerial specialist? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Mane is usually pretty good in the air, but he's not like... He's solid, but it's yeah. not his game, is yeah. it? It's not really what you want him to be doing. But I mean, I, I think strate- uh, sometimes I feel with Liverpool, the, the, their strategy could be the undoing in a game, not necessarily the actual... Like, a, like that. I felt like, I mean, easily Arsenal could have got to half-time, 0-0, zero, zero, and maybe completely flip their strategy in the second half and then we have to adjust, whereas um, luckily we got that goal before half-time. So I don't know. I, I feel sometimes that the, the the way that Klopp's tinkering, that might be the decider of how deep they go into the season because they've got a lot of competitions to play in. And so Liverpool have continued their unbeaten uh, record at Anfield and also um, bringing in another record with um, 12 successive league game wins. Uh Liverpool went back to their Fabinho, Hendo uh, and Gini Wijnaldum midfield. Jesse, is this Liverpool's best midfield? It's the uh, the structure, the structured midfield. It's the block everything midfield. It's, um, yeah, it's it's probably Klopp's most trusted midfield. But um, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting with the season. It's so long that you may well see a completely different midfield by the end of the season, um, depending on how those players are holding up. But... For a game against Arsenal where your front three is trusted to get the goals, he just seems to just block the midfield and a much better midfield display than you would say against Southampton. 
I think it, it, it brings out the best in all the three players and it creates a, a base for the rest of the team to go and do what they're good at. Uh, a lot, great balance there, I think. And just on Arsenal, boys, um, uh, Obama, uh, sorry, Lacazette uh, was left on the bench um, in favour of Pepe starting um, in the, that sort of front two partnership with uh, Aubameyang. Uh, Lacazette a bit hard done by? I'd love to see Xhaka just dropped out of that. I mean, he's club captain, obviously, so he can't be. But um, if you dropped him out and you replaced him with Lacazette, that would be my starting starting eleven. Real surprise. I mean, that's a the big game, and um, I mean, Emery must have had a lot of faith in uh, Aubameyang and uh, and Pepe. Uh, Pep, yep, Pepe. Uh, so uh, yeah, somewhat surprising given Lacazette had been in good form, and I think he's you almost say he's underrated by by Emery. Do you agree, Jens? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, mm. But it, it's it's a really funny one because they have such a good partnership together. They clearly have great on-field chemistry. Mm. Um, mm. You know, they, they score and assist goals together. I mean, maybe you want to get uh, Pepe some minutes. Um, but, yeah, not, not too sure but what's going on. An odd game to, to do that in, isn't it? Like when you, you really have to be on your game to beat the likes of City and uh, Liverpool and the other sort of top big big top six teams. And is this a good benchmark for where Arsenal are at? Are they? Do you think this sort of reflects their level, this this sort of performance against Liverpool, or do you think they've got a bit more to give? I think there was. Um, we, we were talking about it on the in, in the car, boys, on the way home from uh, from football today about how uh, that penalty that uh, Double Louise gave away was just schoolboy stuff, like Sunday League sort of uh, uh, penalty to give away. like The old shirt pull. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't even subtle. It was just so blatant that, I mean, he was sort of shaking his head, but albeit with a wry smile as he walked away sort of to get set for, for the penalty to be taken. Well, but then he got blazed what, for uh, Salah's second goal as well. So, yep. Uh, I, I, I mean, I know I said it like um, in pre-season when, uh, when they signed uh, Double Louise, like is David Luiz really the like? Yeah, look, he's he's good at playing out from the back, and he's got a great passing. Great range, diagonal, yeah, great diagonal. But look, he's not going to like firm up your your defence and going to um, mean he's he's always prone to a, a lapse in concentration or just some ridiculous mistake. And I know it's a tough market, but um, you know when when Liverpool um, had a, a real defensive issue, they I mean it took them eighteen months to do it, but they brought in Van Dijk, who ends up being one of the best centre backs in the world, uh, and Arsenal bring in Pepe and David Luiz, uh, you know another pacey sort of forward type who they don't really need, and David Luiz. And that's right. Like I mean, if, as long as you've got that back four, um, I feel like you're just going to continue to have problems going forward. I think like for them it's going to have to be an adjustment in the back. And I, I, I've said it a few times. I think they're similar to where Liverpool was a couple of seasons ago. They can beat anybody in the league on their day, but are they going to consistently be able to win week in, week out? I, I don't think so with that back. So I, I look at that Arsenal team and still don't think that they, even on their day, can knock off a Liverpool or a City yet. I think that, I mean, it's it's a one and a hundred or a, yeah, like a 10 and a hundred kind of It'll be a scenario. tricky game at the Emirates. The return fixture will be a tricky game. True, true, but I still think um, that yeah, nine times out of ten, Liverpool is still going to beat that Arsenal team. If you're, the away forms the concern for Arsenal as well. I mean, forget the top six and the other teams. I mean, it seems to be away from home they really struggle. Mm-hmm. West Ham didn't struggle away from home though, coming out three-one winners against Watford. Uh, although Watford grabbed their first goal of the season, um, they're still without a point. Um, 
But uh, this one was all about West Ham, would you say, Tommy? Or Not at all. <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we got? Take us through it. Roll out the claret carpet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I won't do that because it was a Watford home game. But anyway, um, this one, uh, Troy Deeney, Jack Wilshere and Chicharito were all missing, all uh, either injured or basically just rested. Uh, but also Noble and Yarmolenko both returned from short and long injury um, stints out, uh, respectively. Also, Ishmael uh, Saar uh, was named on the bench for his first um, first appearance for Watford. Um, and this one, look, uh, I won't go through this blow by blow, but this was uh, a game that on another day, look, it finished 3-1 to, to West Ham, but quite easily could have finished 3-0 to Watford or, uh, or, or something like that because Watford um, did have plenty of chances. West Ham at times were just wide, wide open. Um, and I think, um, look, this one, the scoreline definitely flatters uh, West Ham big time. I think uh, West Ham are a, a much more balanced side with Mark Noble in the team, um, even if Wiltshire, on paper at least, is a better player. Um, this was great to see. Uh, first of all, I thought Maswaku had a really good game. I thought Allaire brought um, Lanzini, uh, who's really grown in fitness and confidence since he's come back from his injury. Um, Allaire brought uh, Lanzini and Felipe Anderson uh, into the game really well. I thought Felipe Anderson didn't stay as wide as he has previously as well. Um, which I thought bode well for that sort of that uh, trio there between uh, Felipe Anderson, Lanzini and um, uh, and Allaire. Allaire also brought a completely unnecessary bicycle kick from two yards. <laughs> are, are you talking about the bicycle kick or are you talking about the, the scorpion kick earlier on in the game? The scorpion kick would have been, that would have broken. Uh, that would have been magical. Broken Twitter, yeah. some Twitter that he'd gone on. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Um, but look, yeah, look, uh, Allaire did break his... Uh, uh, he's scoring, I guess, hoodoo uh, for West Ham. So he'd be very pleased to have gotten two goals. Um, seemed pretty happy with that. Not not necessarily over the top though. Um, but yeah, a great great win for West Ham. And look, I think the pressure sort of does mount a little bit now on um, uh, Javi Gracia, who, yeah, I mean, three games, no wins, and he's conceded a bunch of goals as well. So um, only scored one goal in three games as well. Yeah, and look, Will Hughes had a probably a, a pretty massive miss. And I think Andre Gray had another one as well. I've got Cleverly and Decore both had really good chances. And like I said, this this could have easily finished as 3-0 to Watford, but ultimately the, the scoreline is what really people will remember. And um, yeah, there's I think there's plenty of pressure starting to build on him and uh, Javi Gracia. And we, we know how trigger happy Watford uh, board can be. So Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, they're about as trigger-happy as Dr. Evil and Austin Powers. <laughs> um, you know, that trap door that the guy goes down. Like he, he um, I would be sweating if I was him. Cause Do if you he, think if they've already tried to kill him off and he's just like, uh, was it Will Ferrell, how like he's, he's, he's just unkillable? Well, I don't you know. I, I, I don't, do you I don't think know that's what, how Javi Gracia is still at Watford? I don't know what's Spanish for cockroach, but I mean, if that's what you're alluding, <laughs> if that's what you're alluding to, Tommy, I'm, I'm probably going to go with it. Yeah. Wow, this, this is niche chat. I thought my movie references at the top were, were pretty niche, but uh, boys, you've taken it to another level here. Um, the the blades though uh, were <laughs> sharp were content, re- yeah. sharp sharp uh, change of pace here, boys. Uh, they were they were outdone by Leicester uh, at Bramall Lane. Um, they worked hard, but were ultimately yeah sunk by that Harvey Barnes uh, thunderbolt that we uh, talked about and, earlier. And Sheffield Wednesday's Jamie Vardy. <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday's Vardy. 
Um, boys, we've we've had a word on Harvey Barnes and Vardy and and Leicester, and um, you know, we all think that they're going to do um, you know, good things this season. But what about uh, seeing as we don't have Damo on? What about Sheffield? What are, what of their performance in this which, one? Which Sheffield? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> what, what, what did you make of Sheffield's performance? They were they were a worldy away from uh, getting a point at home to Leicester, who should uh, be be pretty good, and we all think they'll be in or about the top six. So this is a good measure for Sheffield as well. Or the top four, <laughs> or the top four, if you tell me. Um, yeah, look, I thought they they definitely uh, would feel somewhat disappointed not to have taken a point away from from this one. I think uh, Lundstrom at one point I, I think had, had a, a good chance. Yeah, good chance. So. I think they will be they'll be disappointed but not disheartened uh, by by the performance, um, but yeah, not not the result they were they were after. Probably sort of similar, I think, to Norwich in how they'd be disappointed that, to not get anything out of the game, but very heartened by the um, by the the effort and the the performance. I agree. I think like, this is the thing about teams that come up. It's like if you're going to lose at home early early in the season, how did you lose? Did you lose because you just got completely outclassed and exposed yourself at the back, or did you lose from a Harvey Barnes screamer? Um, I I wouldn't be too just discouraged, and like a I guess the the flip side of it is um, this is a a pretty good win for for Leicester as well. They haven't been that great so far this season. Haven't had great results either. Um, so the it's it's always uh, look they say it's a, a sign of a champion team when you can uh, uh, not play well and still win. So uh, you never know. It could could still make the top uh, top four yet. Um. Other top four slash top six, uh, Darlings Everton had their first defeat of the season um, after goals uh, from Wesley and Elgazi um, and Villa their first win of the season. Um, boys good from Villa? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, after, again, just how we just referenced Sheffield there about the first um, game of the uh, first part of the season, I think Villa felt a bit aggrieved about last week and uh, it's, a, it's a big win for them. Um, I think it sort of gives a bit of a reflection of where they're at because I think they pl- they've played well in the first few weeks and just been a bit unlucky. And slightly different um, uh, sort of ballparks to the Haller for West Ham, but um, Wesley is their uh, record signing at $22 million, um, and always good uh, for them to get off the mark early. He's a sharpshooter, Wesley Snipes. Oi. Uh, on I, I, Ever- thought, I thought Wesley was actually very good. Like he, I think he actually offers more than um, some of the other big guys we talked about, Alaire and Tammy Abraham. Um, he's actually kind of quick enough and wants to. There's a willingness to sometimes try to run him behind as well. So I think he actually, he, he's, a, he's a pretty complete sort of uh, striker that he, he, he's happy and, hold, uh, happy and good enough to hold up the ball. But um, yeah, good enough, quick enough to get him behind as well. So more something than, more than a game podcast loves a big man. <laughs> we absolutely love a big man here. Um, couple of a uh, couple of medium sized men, I would say, on the on the bench uh, for Everton. Are we finding, rating these guys? Finding body size, uh, finding themselves on the <laughs> bench more than they should. Awobi uh, and Moisa Ken. Uh, time for Marco Silva to start them, especially after their performances in in this game, albeit a loss. They're two members of the dreadlock eleven. <laughs> Uh, well, there was a third one in this one as well. There's Tyrone Mings, and they all have exactly the same haircut. Oh, and, um, and don't forget about uh, Douglas, Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise. Oh, yeah. oh, With the bleach cornrows. No, different. you could oh, definitely, definitely, get those in. definitely yeah. get them in. Mm. Time for them. Time for Marcus Silva to be starting them, boys. Well, look, I, uh, one of my notes was about um, Awobi and kind of what the point of him is. Like he's, he's oh. not, not. Why do you hate Awobi? 
<laughs> I'm starting to hate him because I've never really thought given him a lot of thought to be perfectly honest. But um, like he's 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 quick without being rapid. He's the only player he's, who who he's, actually um, did anything in this game for Everton. He's not a particularly good crosser of the ball, and he's not technically good enough to play through the middle, sort of like in a sort of technician sort of way. So it's kind of like, well, what does he bring to this team? Well, for me, it highlights. I mean. Is the Everton squad really as balanced as maybe we thought? I mean, they've got a stack of wingers and, I mean, it actually creates a bit of a problem for Marcus Silva because he's, he's wanting to put um, Bernard on one week and then Bernard scores a goal and then he, you know, decides to stick to a certain 11 and then brings on Iwobi and Iwobi's not delivering or Keane's mm-hmm. getting certain minutes. I mean, I feel like they're doing a similar thing with Keane as they did with um, Pepe where they're just drip feeding him in and he's, mm-hmm. he will get 90. But, I mean, if you're an Everton fan, you must be getting pretty impatient. Well, and they've got Walcott in there as well. Who, That's what I mean. mean. It's really unbalanced. You've got a lot of similar players in the same squad. A lot of pacey wingers and, and not much depth at the back. They're sort of like an Arsenal B in more ways than one because they've got all the uh, all the ex-Arsenal well, boys there. off cuts. <laughs> That's a pretty big insult in 2019, Arsenal B. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz. Uh, boys, last game of the uh, of the round so far. Um, Brighton um, going down two 0 at home uh, to Southampton. Although an early red card to Andone for uh, um, a particularly rash challenge uh, set the tone for this one. And uh, after a Lewis Dunk uh, bullet header was chalked off by the VAR, it was pretty much all one way traffic. Would you say? I think it was uh, Dale Stevens that was the closest. I think I think it was oh no Solly March was the closest to the um the tackle and you see him on the see replay. him in the background you see yeah. him in the background and he reacts not just like a teammate he reacts like anyone who's just watched a football tackle that's a nasty tackle it just he he sort of knows in that moment it's going to be a red so horrendous um and what was he thinking yeah and don't it yeah no you can't brain there's, snap there's nothing you can really do to explain that away I mean it just it was a shocker. Southampton were pretty good for their goals. Uh, Genpo, uh, the new Southampton recruit, uh, pretty tasty goal from him and a, and a nice little dance celebration as well. And um, then you had uh, Redmond scoring a City-esque uh, tap-in to seal it. So um, good good from Southampton, but it'll be good to see, I think, uh, how they measure up against uh, more against tougher opposition because obviously um, Brighton, a man down and, and so a bit deflated after having that goal chalked off. That, f- um, that first goal. Ferris reflection. Oh, that first goal was magical. It was like holding the, uh, the right trigger on FIFA and just finessing it into the top corner. Couple of uh, matches still to come this weekend, boys. Uh, Bournemouth uh, are hosting Manchester City. Um, and Pep, as I think you can imagine, will have City pretty riled up after dropping points to Spurs. Um, and Bournemouth aren't the most solid at the back. Even uh, at home. Even at home, uh, do we see anything else other than a, a pretty a convincing bath? city win? That, yeah, that's, that's what I've got in my notes. <laughs> Look, no, I'd see this being an absolute bloodbath. I think, uh, yeah, could could get ugly if Bournemouth sort of try to change uh, chase the game a little bit. Um, my prediction is four 0 to City. It's just you just don't know what Bournemouth team's going to turn up. They could get absolutely hammered in this, or they could put up a fight and get a sweaty penalty and win. I mean, I like. Highly there down. There you go. Highly, it here. More than a game exclusive. Jesse yeah. Farmer thinks Bournemouth are going to beat City. I highly, I highly doubt it. But <laughs> they're just such a weird team. I can't. I can't. I, when, every time we go to talk about what Bournemouth's going to do, I just have no idea. So in their last eight uh, matchups, uh, City have won eight out of eight um, at an aggregate score of twenty-five to three. So if that oh, gives wow. you any, 
That's West Ham esque, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought you were talking about the Ashes score for a second. Oh, wowee. It is a bit of a cricket score, isn't it? <laughs> Speaking of another potential bloodbath, um, Spurs are hosting Newcastle, and Steve Bruce will be looking to avoid becoming the first Newcastle manager to lose three his three opening Premier League matches. Do you think he's going to avoid it? Nope, in a word. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, Newcastle are a mess at the moment. Um, you had uh, a, a pretty well-drilled, um, technically disciplined team under Rafa. He heads out and, um, yeah, look, there's big gaps all over the place and this team is just struggling to kind of do the basics in some ways. Um, yeah, I'm predicting another bloodbath, I think. Um, yeah, look, Newcastle keep it uh, keep it tight and learn from some of their mistakes in previous weeks. You never know; they might sort of keep this tight. And um, but if if Spurs can score early on within the first thirty minutes, yeah, this could be similar to the Bournemouth game. Um, I'm, my prediction again: four 0 to Spurs. Yeah, I, it could get really ugly for Newcastle, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. It's just a it's a bit bit strange to watch because I know that they've changed managers but there's a few few pretty good players in that Newcastle team that aren't really performing at the moment and you can understand when your team's going backwards that you're not you know you're a bit anonymous but I feel like they can put a better foot forward and they better well do that because I've I've got them finishing above Norwich in the table in my bowl. it's really Very starting gold. back to bite me on the ass uh and Newcastle will be without new striker Joe Linton um and potentially Alan <laughs> so right as well uh, whereas uh, Spurs are missing Ndombele, uh, but we'll have Son returning from his suspension. So, uh, look, uh, look, I don't see any other results other than a, a very convincing Spurs win as well. Final game of the round, boys. Uh, Wolves hosting Burnley. Um, Wolves will be looking for their first win of the season after draws against Leicester and United. Um, Burnley, meanwhile, have got a good recent record against Wolves, um, having only lost one out of six. Um, and they won their last match against them back in March, albeit it was at home. What do you uh, What do you think's uh, going to happen in this one, boys? I think it. Um, you can't discount how leggy Wolves might be after um, playing in Italy. I'm pretty sure against mm. uh, Torino, who yep. I was a little bit surprised. Um, sometimes the Europa League throws up some some big matchups, right? Like Torino, good team, still got um, uh, Bellotto, Bellotti, sorry. Uh, who at one point was linked with some of the, the biggest teams in the world So um, and for big money as well. So um, Wolves got a good result there, but, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be tired from this one. Um, I think um, Burnley would be looking at this going, yeah, they're vulnerable. We can knock them off. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Bashley scores uh, another one here to take it through for three from three, I think. Um, I reckon I reckon that they might just get over the line here, Wolves, with a 2-1 win. 2-1. I see, him, I see him squeaking a win. I think, I think Burnley are going to win this one now. Coming up next, the magic of the cup. Let's see if uh, the Eagles can find a bit of incision. Daniel Mubria! That is one of the goals of every FFA Cup season. That is simply magnificent. That is simply Daniel McBreen. 1-1. And the only word he could say... Is, wow, what a hit. Yeah, the FFA Cup round of 16 got underway on Wednesday night, boys. Uh, and the moment of the round, obviously, so far, has to be that worldie from Daniel McBreen, um, who became the oldest goal scorer um, in the Cup at 42 years old. Ooh. 
Uh, the Jets ultimately outclassed uh, Daniel McBreen's Edgeworth Eagles 5-1 um, with new recruit Wes Houlihan getting on the score sheet uh, and Dimi Pachados helping himself to a brace. Uh, but you can't take that one away from McBreen. Um, Bozza even tweeted him after the game suggesting he should retire after that. Uh, boys, would you be happy if this was the last goal of your career? I mean, for me, it's just a standard Tommy C uh, away goal uh, <laughs> on, a, on a Sunday. But I mean, yeah, geez, it was pretty, not bad, was it? I tell you what, if I'm 42 and I'm still playing football at any level, I'll be happy, let alone, um, what is he playing at? That's pretty much NPL level still. Yeah, and, NPL, NPL too. Um, and he's, he's scoring. Never, he's never been better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And yeah, he's still, still scoring against A-League competition. So that's, that's pretty bloody incredible. It's gigs-esque, isn't it? Elsewhere in the cup, uh, reigning champs Adelaide were given a game, um, edging a tightly fought uh, 3-2 at Perry Park against Brisbane Olympic, uh, where Olympic created plenty of chances, uh, including one offside and one off the crossbar. But Adelaide won the day thanks to 19-year-old Al-Hassan Toure, who looks a pretty exciting player. Uh, and City uh, also threw to the final eight, an early goal to Maka uh, and and no one. Are we, is, is that, are we, are we were saying his name's Noon? Noon. <laughs> Uh, Begrudgingly, no. it's new. <laughs> no one did the business for City. Uh, <laughs> was even on the pitch. <laughs> Boys, they looked... They no looked, one was on the pitch. I have to say, um, looked pretty unconvincing against Marconi, um, but they weathered a late scare um, when the hosts looked to be back in the game uh, and hung on to progress. Even Tommy and I got around the magic of the cup this week, getting out to CB Smith Reserve in couple Melbourne's of, couple North. Couple of servers. Couple of soves uh, on a chilly Wednesday night to see the Moreland Zebras sweep away the Magpies Crusaders. Tommy, uh, we'll talk about the game in a minute, but set the scene for the listeners. Uh, how was the night? Talk well, us through the the uh, the vibe. Well, how were the servers? Just while I'm asking. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, so, look, we we arrived pretty much bang on kickoff, which uh, was a little bit late. Um, but we, so we, yeah, we got there and we were both starving. So we went straight Made to the beeline for the soups. <laughs> we were like, uh, the, the game started, but we're hungry. We need to eat. So yeah, went into the, to the canteen, uh, service was a little slow, but they were, they were turning things over pretty quickly to their best. And look, it's, uh, I guess with a lot of those community canteens, it's pretty tough to, to just turn over a product, uh, quicker. Cause obviously there's, there's issues with, can, uh, capacity in the kitchen and the like so yeah anyway the the two kitchen uh sorry yeah two chicken servers they both went down pretty well had a couple of tinnies as well um i, I would give the the server probably uh an eight and a half out of ten yeah I'm well, strong. i'd give it about that as well the the, the bread in particular was very soft yeah, yeah, you, very guys fresh. Are, you guys are chicken server people i'm more of a lamb myself uh, i don't think lamb was an option i would know unfortunately it was but i i was just a bit lambed out i oh. had lamb three meals in the previous four days so we had um, what was it? Uh, Lebanese. To be ashamed of. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tommy, we, we we'd had. Don't you remember we'd had uh, lamb lamb shawarma on the um, on <laughs> Sunday night uh, while we were recording the pod? You guys had forgotten this already. Well, I really apologise for asking the question now because I feel like we have slightly digressed. I had left oh, right. This is a football pod. Oh, right. <laughs> we're talking about football, this. not food. <laughs> uh, boys, um, Tommy also but, missed the memo. I have to say on the uh, on the uniform that night, wearing uh, what would you call it? Like a, a brown. Um, yeah, it was sort like of a suede jacket. Or yeah, something? Faux, faux suede jacket. <laughs> um, and yeah, obviously missed the memo about the um, the uniform for the evening, which was uh, black Nike track pants and a and a black puffer jacket. Um, so yeah, really wish I someone had have let me know because uh, I felt like I stood out like the the proverbial. Um, you did. Yeah, uh, it was <laughs> it was really awkward. People kept staring at me. I'm like, 
what? I didn't get the memo all right. CB Smith Reserve, I have to say, though, was a great little ground. Um, the pitch was in pristine c- condition. Um, it was a little bit of a chilly night, but that was fine because we were sort of rugged up. Well, you were um, in your puffer jacket. I was in my black puffer and uh, and jeans, so I, I fit in just fine there. Um, like, you, we were very close to the action. There was a small grandstand. I think there were probably about 1,500 people there on the night. Um, you know, but kids running around. There were clearly families that, there at the club who'd sort of, you know, go to every game and know each other. So it was a great little vibe as well. Real community atmosphere was good. It yeah. Was nice. um, quick overview on the clubs just before we um, give a quick word to the game. Um, so the Magpies, um, listeners might not know, are from the Mackay and Sundays region. And they're the first team in the Mackay region to make it to the round of 32 and the round of 16. Um, they're sort of uh, still stabilising, currently sort of around 12th in the Queensland NPL. Um, a pretty young side um, that... Tommy and I observed on the night, um, although they do have a bit of a journeyman up front. He's a, um, a 30-year-old uh, Nottingham uh, journeyman called Michael Lyle. He played played quite well on the night. Nottingham is in his... He's an Englishman, is he? He's an Englishman, yeah. Oh, right, okay. No idea what he's doing up at up at Mackay and the, and all the Whit Sundays, but um, yeah, they... Um, Maybe he's just a backpacker at Ely Beach and they... they Asked him if he wanted to come for a kick or something. Come have a kick. Just run in a hostel. Someone's <laughs> mate. Uh, and Moreland um, formed in 1948 as uh, Juventus Melbourne um, and playing as Brunswick Zebras for most of their career before a merger with some other Italian clubs in the area before a brief stint as Whittlesea Zebras um, playing out of Epping and then returning to Moreland in 2011. Um, so This is a, actually quite complicated how all of these teams sort of from the northern and suburbs. Demerged and yeah, it's it's a... Um, it's a mess. And like they've had it. a really storied histories in, in terms of trophies and players as well. They've won plenty of trophies, including winning the NSL and the Vic Championships. Um, they're currently pushing for a promotion. They did drop down a, a couple of years ago or about a decade ago now. They're currently pushing for promotion out of the N- Vic NPL 2 back into the um, the, the uh, first division. Um, but they've, they've produced players like Bresciano and Naboo. Um, and Ange Postacoglu even managed them in 2009. Um, happened to be in the season they got relegated, so not even uh, good old Ange could... Uh, Probably not one that put on his CV, is it? ...stop them from going down. And they're now managed by a former soccer Fausto Duamitis, uh, who has, um, says he has plenty to offer Australian football. He's currently uh, juggling a full-time job and coaching the Zebras as well. So... Um, yeah, a bit, a bit of info on those uh, those two clubs that, yeah, to be honest, I didn't know a lot about before the game as well. So great to go out and see them. Um, but just on the game itself, obviously the Zebras got up 4-0. Huge achievement uh, for the winner to be in the last eight. Made, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, f- first team from the MPL 2 um, to make it to the quarterfinals. Um, how did you rate the quality of them, Tommy? Um, the, the NP- these two sort of NPL and below teams, how far do they look off, off A-League standard in your view? Look, um, it, it's not necessarily the team, I, I guess, was uh, A-League quality or not, but there were certain individuals that you saw, yeah, like there's there's plenty of talent there, not, clearly know their way around a football pitch. But then you did see some some players who either were, were not necessarily making always the right decision or were sometimes caught out of position and you could see, um, I guess there was a little bit of un- un- unevenness in the, in the quality. So a um, bit of a mixed bag, but look, I really enjoyed the night and really enjoyed, I guess, the contest between the, the two sides as well. 
And so the FFA Cup itself is obviously um, a pretty recent thing in Australian football um, for us to have a competition, um, you know, where all these clubs from the A-League level and below can compete in. It was launched in 2014, obviously includes the 10 um, professional teams in the A-League. Western United uh, um, weren't ready to feature this year, but they will um, next year. And the remaining sort of 22 or what will be 21 teams are made up of semi-pro and amateur teams like these ones, or semi-pro rather, Um and even the uh, the previous year's NPL champions get a spot. Um, the remaining teams sort of have to go through pre-qualifiers before it kicks off in the round of 32. Um, Adelaide, obviously the most successful team with two titles. Um, Sydney, Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City all got a title each. Um, boys, what are your thoughts on um, the Cup so far? I mean, it's been going for sort of, I guess it's in its fifth year now, is it? 14, 15, 16, 17, uh, I 19. think, yeah, <laughs> fifth year. The magic of the cup. The magic <laughs> of the cup. Uh, what, what did you think, Tommy? This was, a, this was the first FFA Cup match that I've been, other than the final where City won it a couple of years ago. You and I went out to that. Um, when I was living out at Laverton, I, I went out to a couple of the games that were hosted out at um, Melbourne Knights' stadium. So I saw mm-hmm. Melbourne Knights play once. Uh, also, St Albans hosted it uh, or were hosted um, out there. A young Jamie McLaren playing for... Um, uh, playing for Perth against St Albans, got himself a brace there. I think that Jeez, night. You kept all this under your hat, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been in Western United's um, oh, territory catchment. Yeah, yeah, zone, yeah. I think, mate. You're right. You're right. See, so yeah, I only lived there for uh, what six months though. So green and black scarf coming your way. Get <laughs> on the ground floor, Tommy. <laughs> Hashtag here from the beginning. Well, I do. Uh, I did sign up for one of the. Yeah, Tommy Damo and I have all all got a uh, a little uh, like a Western mini United mini membership uh, to go out there and see a game. We're pretty excited to get out to. Jesse, what's your membership number, mate? I, I don't have one, um, to Ooh. be honest. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I, did, I did notice that they are tying it in for all fans so that, obviously, if you want to get down there and watch the game, they've obviously put some decent prices out there. So, that's good to see. Yeah, that, that's really encouraging. But back to the FFA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, look, you're, you're well-placed to answer this, Tommy, with your storied FFA Cup uh, <laughs> viewing career. Uh, I also went to some of the City games also a couple of years ago as well. Like, uh, I think it was... Uh, uh, Jakobsen's first game uh, scored a bicycle against in an otherwise unremarkable game against Western Sydney as well. And Timmy Cahill um, played his first uh, FFA Cup game, the first game in Australian football against season. the Brisbane Strikers. Yeah, um, um, look, uh, I uh, I really enjoy the FFA Cup. It, it's um, it bridges that divide between I guess old football and sorry old, old soccer, soccer and new, new football, football um, which is a relationship that needs some work. And I think there's. The, the more seriously that um, new football takes this and um, invests in this relationship, I think it can only be a great thing in in building building that relationship between, I guess, the grassroots and the professional game in the same way that like it, it exists quite naturally in, in England and some other countries. But um, I, I see this as only benefiting football in this country. And I, it's a competition I really enjoy. There's a little bit of romance there. You get to see some upsets. You get to see A-League competition playing against... I guess the rest of the football world in Australia, and that's um, it's it's interesting, it's it's fascinating, and um, it also gives us an opportunity to get out some to, to some of the community games and uh, com- community uh, venues, I should say, and, and and test out some of the some of the food as well. And they're making a big deal. The FFA are making a big bigger deal year on year with a bit of advertising behind it, and um, you know at least the coverage is sort of on the My Football app, and I know KO yep. are showing the games and yep. stuff. All of um, them, yeah. yeah. Every game on KO, mm. um, getting in a plug for demo, but um, <laughs> and the finals are the finals are a, a big 
spectacle as well. I know I've watched the last couple of years um, finals on on TV or wherever I can find it, and um, yeah, they, they, you know they make a bit of those as well. So the more seriously I think all of the A League teams uh, treat it, I think the the more successful this competition will be. And I think they've got the timing right because it's like on the end, like back half of the season for NPL teams. So they're all very match fit. And then they've got, um, it's sort of, you know, runs into the, the preseason for A-League teams as well. So I think at this point of, of the competition, it's at its best though. You do see that um, when you get into the semifinals that the, the NPL teams do struggle a little bit because they're out of season. And the A-League teams have been playing regularly. And so that divide, I think, is uh, amplified once you get into the, the round of uh, well, the semifinal. Sorry. But in the broader the round sort of four. Sp- in the broader really sporting time, context as well with sort of coming on to the end, you know, back half of the season for the AFL and the NRL, like some people might start, be starting to get a bit fatigued of those competitions and, and ready to, you know, see some more football, particularly local football. I know the Premier League's just started back as obviously we've been covering it for the past couple of weeks, but people are very excited by that as well so i just think i think the timing personally works um and and the comps getting getting bigger and bigger every it's year it's a nice lead into i think the the a-league season i i think the i think the balance is right at the moment when it comes to the ffa cup all right well that's uh, probably going to do it for us today boys uh thanks tommy and jesse for joining us thanks everybody for listening if you want to get around us uh in the meantime uh get around us on twitter or facebook at more than a game podcast uh that's Looking all for forward now. to another week in football